This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. So because of it being right here at the 4th of July, I did want to kind of uh, concentrate on a different uh, subject today, and, and I entitled it the, the Price of Liberty. What does it cost you and me to be free today, to be able to do what we're doing this morning, be able to have church without no problems. We came in the door, no one stopped us. You can carry a Bible with you. No one took that out of your hand. And you can go out here and shout and praise the Lord in, the, in public. Of course, you may get looked at a little funny and somebody may not like it, but it's still our liberty to do that. In fact, I think, you know, people can holler all kind of other things. We certainly ought to be able to praise the Lord. So all of these liberties, that's what I call them, liberties that we have, they came with a price, and they still do. And so for us to, to be able to worship as we do today and be able to spread the gospel, still do the Great Commission, it's all a, a wonderful liberty and freedom that we have. And we want to look at our country, but we also want to look at Christ. We want to look at what men and women paid in our uh, armed forces to for us to have freedom. But I also want to look at the cross and always remember that that freedom we have today to have forgiveness of sins and tell others about Christ, a home in heaven, all these things, that comes because of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. I'm going to use John chapter 15 and verse number 13 as my scripture this morning. They'll get those up on the screen there. Many of you are familiar with this verse. In fact, I got a t-shirt with it written on, it's on the back of it not too long ago. And I love wearing that so that people can see that saying, that verse on there. But Jesus was uh, telling his disciples a lot of things in in here, and we want to look at this particular verse. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now we know that Jesus certainly laid down his life on the cross and the amazing thing is, we people in that day weren't his friends. They were his enemies. They crucified him. They hollered crucify. And yet, Christ laid down his life for his, and notice that he called it his friends. And so, uh, the thing that we need to realize, and I think about this many times when it comes to our country, men and women have signed up to go, who knows where they'll end up, who knows what they'll have to do, but in the back of their mind they're thinking, I'm doing this because I want America to be free and remain free. And thank God for men and women that have done that and are doing that, that say, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. And they have done that. So, we want to think about the cost of freedom and liberty that we have today, not only for the United States, 
but for followers of Christ as well. I'm so thankful I live in the United States. They have a, we have our many problems, no doubt about that. We have a lot of things going on in our country that are not good, but we have a lot of things that are great and a lot of things that are going on in our country today that we should be thankful for. And so I'm glad to do that. A little girl asked her father one day, what does freedom mean? She didn't understand that. Her dad answered her by saying, freedom is something you can't hold with your hands, but it's something that people have fought for and died to protect. Freedom is something you can't have without the shedding of their blood like Christ did for us on the cross. And the little girl replied to her dad, is that why mommy isn't here with us today? And her dad teared up and hugged her daughter and he said, yes, honey, she died fighting for our country's freedom. I wonder how many other children are like that today. They, they no longer have a dad, no longer have a mom because they gave their life for our freedom today and blood was shed somewhere many times that we could have that freedom. When I think of the liberties that we as Americans enjoy, I think we got to remember that these blessings always came to us at the expense of someone's blood and sacrifice of brave men and women who have given their lives for these freedoms. We should never forget that. We should always remember that. There's a, a well-worn saying that says, freedom is never free. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, isn't it? The word free in freedom, and yet it's never free. It costs somebody something. It costs a lot of people. Our liberty was a, was a great cost. And many have paid that ultimate sacrifice for that cost. So today I want to think about that great price of liberty. And I want to give you just a little bit of background. Many of you have heard this before, you've read it before, but it's always good to remember. June the 11th, 1776, that's when Thomas Jefferson was aided by James Madison, and they began at that point to say, we need to draft a document. We need something. And that document, of course, later known as, as the Declaration of Independence. But on July the 4th of that same year, there were 56 men that gathered together and decided we need to approve this document in the Continental Congress. So finally, they got to the month of August the 2nd, and the declaration was ready to be signed. You know, you think about that though. We, we kind of overlook how on, how it was in that day. Here was a declaration that had never been written that declared the things that were on this document. But who was going to sign it? Who was ready to step up to sign that, this document because of what it said? Who would sign it? How many would be willing to do it? What would be the cost of their life for doing it? Because these men that signed this, after they read it, 
they realized in their minds, and they had drafted, got it together, and realized, hey, when I sign this, I could lose my home, I could lose my property, I could be hung by the British as rebels, my wives and my my wives and children could be thrown in prison. They were putting it all on the line to pick up that pen and put their name on that document. I thought about that. Can I remind you this morning that someone else put it all on the line for you and for me? Look at 1 John 3.16. And in this particular verse, it tells us exactly what Jesus said. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Notice what he did. He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus, and we'll talk about it as time permits, we get to the end of the lesson. Jesus laid down everything. He had everything. He still does. But he laid it all down to come down to this earth so that we could have forgiveness, we could have eternal life. We could have a way out of this sinful world and be able to have a home in heaven one day. So I think that verse, when it says hereby perceive, that means are you perceptive enough? Are you grasping the love of God? A lot of us, a lot of people don't. They don't grasp what God has done. Everyone knows John 3.16, but many times they kind of overlook it. It becomes something like just riding down the road and seeing another church building. doesn't matter. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus came and laid down his life so that we could have, see the love that was there. So when I talk about men and women in our country that have laid down their life and put it on the line, I'm just so reminded the love of God and how he laid down his life for you and for me. But back to the Declaration of Independence, when the time came that that document was going to be presented by Richard Henry Lee, John Hancock was first, and then every man began to step up to the table, pick up that pen, and gladly put their name on that document, knowing that's going to cost them something. You know, I'm, I'm kind of reminded that as we walk the Christian life, if we're really doing something for God, it's going to cost us something. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of sit back and just kind of float through. Even Christians float through their Christian life because they're comfortable at what they're, they're where they're at, what's going on, and and I'll just just go like that. But when we're really going to do something for God, you watch; it'll start costing you some of your time that you do other things because you've set aside some time for God here. You know, you you could be involved in this, but that doesn't have anything to do with furthering the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in all kinds of things we enjoy on this earth. But let's remember that in those things, 
we ought to apply things that we can do for God. And that means it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us some, some things out of our life if we're really going to say, I'm going to do this live for God like I should live for God. You won't have as many friends as you used to have. Do you remember when you got saved? You start telling folks about your salvation experience and they start looking at you at the corner of the eye. And the next time that you wanted to get together with them, they said, well, I got something else going on. You know, I, I really don't feel like being around you that much because you're going to end up talking about the Lord and praising God. And I, I just don't want to hear that. So things change when we, when we make a decision for Christ. So it will cost us our friends sometimes. It will cost us our time. It may even cost us some of our finances because we've decided to give to God what belongs to God. So all of these things, and there's many other things that you can apply to that that will happen in your life. But I say, like these men here, they knew when they picked up that pen and wrote down their, their signature, it was going to cost them something. These men that that did that. They, these were no wild-eyed, rabble-rosing men, people that just didn't care about their life. These, these, these were educated, consecrated, dedicated men. They had education. In fact, 24 of them were lawyers, 11 of them were merchants, and 19 of them owned large amounts of land. They were large landowners. Well, these were prominent men. And yet they were the ones that stepped up and signed that document. And they did so knowing that if they were captured, it meant torture, it meant death. In fact, nine out of the 56 were captured by the British as traitors. They were tortured and put to death. Two of them lost their sons in war. Another two had sons captured. And 12 of the 56 had their homes ransacked and burned because their name was on that document. Typical of them was John Hart. He saw his fields, his mill laid to waste for more than a year. He lived in a forest. He lived in caves. And when he returned home, he found his wife had died. His children had vanished. And then a few weeks later, he died of a broken heart. So it cost every one of these men something to sign that document. And aren't you thankful that we have that document today? I'm so thankful some of, somebody stood up and said, I'm going to put my name there. I wonder how many times Christ looks down on us and says, hey, I wonder if they're going to stand up for me today. I wonder when they get that opportunity to mention my name, are they going to stand up? Are they going to pick up that pen of testimony and say, I'm a child of God? Or are they going to keep quiet? Maybe walk the other direction. These are men who valued liberty more than they valued their lives. They, they were standing tall and straight. They were unwavering. They pledged their support of this declaration with a reliance on God. You know, we... That's something else that always goes through my mind. This nation was found on God. But man, look at it today. 
God's pushed back, pushed out of the picture, and then other things have come in to try to take his place. But these, this declaration began like this. All men are endowed by their creator with certain and unalienable rights. And it ends like this. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. There were strong words in that document. And when they read those words, they said, that's what we need. That's what we want. It's kind of like today. I open up my Bible and read that, and I say, that's what I need. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want to live by. And that is the thing today that we need people to realize that the Word of God is even much greater than the Declaration of Independence. But I wonder how many people pick it up and read it, study it, live by it. We are a nation born in the blood of sacrifice. Our liberties are written in blood by sons and daughters. Our Christian liberties are also written in blood, the blood of Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 15. It says in that verse there, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that, look at this, loved us, and washed us from our sins, how? In his own blood. His own blood. Jesus didn't shed the, the blood of someone else. He shed his own blood. And the thing is, he is the faithful witness. He is the first begotten. He is the prince of kings. And he loved us enough to shed his own blood. Could he have stopped it at any moment? Yes. But he didn't. Not my will, he prayed, but thine be done, he told the Father. So we must remember the liberties that we have to be able to stand here and say, I'm a child of God, and I'm glad my sins can be washed away. Water can't do it. Someone else's merit can't do it. My own merit can't do it. None of that. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you think about that, when it comes to our nation, the only way we are living like we are today is because someone said, I'll go. I'll be the one to serve our nation. And it cost many their life. I don't know if you've ever been to Valley Forge before. But in the middle of a park there, there's a great bronze statue of George Washington, and he's kneeling down in prayer. That statue commemorates the days in 1777. Washington and his little continental army were surrounded by the British. Bloody footprints were left in the snow by men who did not have no boots to wear. The soldiers were near naked, wrapped in blankets huddled around a, 
a fire trying to keep warm, of green wood trying to stay alive. But more than 2,000 soldiers died that winter from diseases. And they call it the Army of Skeletons. They were American heroes. The governor wrote this, an army of skeletons appeared before our eyes, naked, starved, sick, discouraged. The Frenchman Marquise wrote, the unfortunate soldiers were in want of everything. They had neither coats, nor hats, nor shirts, nor shoes. Their feet, their legs froze until they were black, and it was often necessary to amputate them. But Washington's troops survived those terrible winter months and eventually won the war and America's liberty. Man, what those guys went through. What they had to endure but still stood in there until the very end so that they could win that liberty. You know, we endure things here on this earth and we endure heartaches and things that come in our life and in our families that we, we get disappointed and we get heartbroken and we get down and out. But man, even everything that we endure, that old song says it'll be worth it all when we see him. Does Jesus know all about everything we're going through? Yeah. He knows about everything that we face. And he tells us to cast those cares upon him. He will be with us. He will help us. He'll never leave us. All kind of scriptures that help us through these things that we're facing. I can only imagine the what George Washington tried to say to his troops, what he tried to encourage them with, what was left for him to say. To keep them going. And yet, they didn't give up. And we should never give up on Christ. Whatever we face, whatever we're going through. Because one day it will be worth it all. When we see Him. How about some of these wars that have been fought for our liberty. And the liberty of other peoples and other nations even. The list goes like this, the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, the War Between the States, the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, the War in Afghanistan, the War in Iraq, and each of them. The price of liberty was the same. It was bloodshed for us to continue to have freedom and liberty. I'm talking about the freedom to just be able to think whatever we want to think. We, we don't have to worry about someone's going to put us in a room and try to, try to indoctrinate us with something all day long. And listen, the devil does it all the time. Believe it or not, he's trying to indoctrinate us with the things that we see going on in the world. Pastor preached on it the other Sunday. We are being forced to accept this lifestyles, forced to see these things that are going on, there, and we're supposed to accept that. We're supposed to say, that's okay. 
No, we're not. We don't have to do that because we have the freedom of thought to be able to think on. Christ says think on the, on the right things. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that we need to keep in our minds. We have the, the, the freedom of speech to be able to walk out of here and I see somebody on the street and I can say, you know what? Jesus loves you, died for you. I can say that. I won't be arrested for it. I have the freedom of religion like we do here this morning to be able to come in here and sit down and sing and praise the Lord and hear great preaching and, and, and be able to know that when the service is over, that we can take that message out of here to someone else. And we've been uplifted and fed. That's a freedom of religion, freedom of commerce, freedom of industry. It just, just goes on and on, the right to bear arms to enjoy life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. No wonder we have thongs of people wanting to come into this country because they know there's freedoms here. But they want to come into this country and someone else has fought for those freedoms. Sherman said, war is hell. He knew what he was saying because unfortunately as long as there is sin on the earth there will be the hell of war. Sin brings with it hatred, greed, envy, prejudice, and war. And liberty is often only won by war. By war. You know, I read the Old Testament. I, I love seeing those battles that they, they people fought in the Old Testament. And I'm thinking, every time Israel came up against the enemy, if they were living right, doing what God told them to do, God said, I'm with you. I'm with you. You, you go ahead. We're going to take this, we're going to take this uh, battle. But when they turned their back on God, when they did something that they knew was wrong, brought sin in the camp, guess what? God wasn't going to be with them. They lose the war. Then they get straight. They get back winning again. It, 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 it makes me upset when I think America could be, is turning away from God because if we ever shut the door on God as a nation, that's when things are going to go downhill really fast. But if my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, then. So we need to realize there will be consequences if we turn away from God. So the results of liberty is this. Today, America is a land throughout her history that has been blessed by God. Many enemies have come against us. God's been with us each time. Our nation has prevailed. America has sent missionaries to spread the gospel message around the world. America has sent their sons and daughters across the world to fight for liberty, freedom. And God has blessed. God's been with us. But like I said, it scares me when I see things in our nation turning so much against God. I think it started way back when they took the prayer out of school. It really was a great turning point. And from that point on, 
They have continued to try to take God out of everything. Richard Wombrad, a Romanian evangel evangelical Christian and a minister and author who spent 14 years in prison in Romania for his faith, he's the founder, and many of you may have that little magazine called The Voice of Martyrs, an interdenominational organization. It, it's working for persecuted Christians around the world, trying to help Christians that are being persecuted, finding them, helping them in whatever way they can. And believe me, there are a lot of persecuted Christians that we probably know nothing about. That's happening every day. There are probably people, not because right now, because I don't know the time zone, but there are people in their time zone that um, want to meet for a church service today. They've got to do it way out in the woods or underground or somewhere. They probably can't sing those hymns out loud. i got to, I got to be real quiet. Everyone's got to keep on, someone's got to watch out. But they want to worship God, but they can't, they don't have that liberty to do it wherever they are at. But they're making it happen. And here we are, we've got a beautiful sanctuary, air conditioned this morning, lights. And you would think people were going to run in here this morning and say, man, I can't wait to get in there and worship God. But yet many times they, we can't get them to come. In 1967, he expressed the view of America, every freedom-loving man has two fatherlands, his own and America. Today, America is the hope of every enslaved man because it's the last standing freedom for many people in the world. And you know what? Christ is the only hope. For in every enslaved man, woman, and child on this earth. But it's not about down here only. It's about what he's prepared in heaven. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 19. In this life only have hope in Christ. We are of most, of all men most miserable. You see, I'm thankful for what Christ did for me. And I'm here on this earth. I'm living. I have breath in my life. My heart's beating this morning. He's blessed me with so many blessings, and I'm thankful for that. But if that's all that I had to be thankful for, and at the end of my life, like a lot of people believe, that's just it. That's it. It's going in. I'm going to die. That's it. I don't know where I'm end up. No. We'd be miserable if that's all we thought. But folks... Christ has prepared a home for us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also. So we are not in this life miserable with what we have. We're, we're thankful. We're blessed. But folks, we're just passing through only. He's prepared a home for us. And we ought to be excited about that. America must remain free. The liberty of our land is a gift of God. Not only for our hope, but for the hope of the free world. Every citizen should love and embrace the message of liberty because it's been written in blood. That's why it's so difficult to understand why some people refuse the message of the gospel. It, for you and me that are saved, many times we stand back and say, why can't you get that? 
Why, why can't you understand that? The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ offers whosoever will come. You know, it's kind of like the Statue of Liberty. They, you know, it says, hey, our nation has, has its arms open. And many have come looking for liberty, looking for freedom. But I'm reminded of Jesus stretching those two arms out on the cross saying, whosoever will. There's room at the cross. Though millions have come, there's still what? Room for one. There's still room at the cross. So the ultimate liberty today is the verse that I started off with, greater love is no man than this. By these words, the Lord shows how far his love is extended. He laid down his life for you and for me. It's the highest Mark of love that we can see. You know, if if my grandchild were in need of something or they were going to die, I would lay down my life for that grandchild because I love that grandchild. I'd do anything I could. But what if somebody else's child came up and they person, the parent said, won't you lay down your life for my child? I mean, I don't know you. I don't, I don't know that child. I, I, I don't, I don't know that I could do that. I would be hesitant. I would, I would probably say, well, don't you have someone else who can do that? I mean, I got my family over here to, to, to deal with. And you, you tell me it's your family. Aren't you glad that Christ didn't do that for us? Well, I don't know you. I know you're a sinner. I know that you 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 don't love me, Christ would could say. So why should I lay down my life for you? But he did. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't he didn't say, Well now you go on off and get get yourself together. Show me that you love me. Show me that you care for me, and then we'll talk about me dying for you. He didn't do that. He said, "In while we were yet sinners. But many times we, we don't think about what Christ laid down to come to this earth for us. He laid down all of heaven, all the majesty, all the royal glory that was up there. It, it wasn't that he laid down his gold or silver or riches of this world. They were all his anyway. He laid down his life, which nothing dearer could have happened. And besides, Christ was not a common man. Christ was the Son of God and still is. It wasn't the mere life of a mere man, but he was the Lord of glory. He was the Prince of Peace. And he was the one who was crucified. He didn't send one of his great angels to come and do that. He came himself. And it was a life that was entirely his own, and he laid it down. And he did it freely, voluntarily, as a ransom. You say, oh, no, no, the soldiers, they captured him, and they 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 beat him, and they, they laid him. They, they, they did it all. No. Christ could have stopped all that at any moment. 
Remember when he was in the garden and he just spoke and the soldiers fell back? <laughs> Don't you think the same thing could have happened there on Calvary's Hill? Yeah. But he, he did it voluntarily. Because he looked down through time, he saw you, he saw you, and he saw me. He said, they need a Savior. And I'm going to lay down my life for them. So we find that it was a death for the just for the unjust. Lay down his life for his friends. Not that we were originally his friends. In fact, we were enemies. Enmity, sin in our life. Not love, sin. And he laid down his life for that. He said, I'm going to reconcile them. They're going to be my friends. So greater love hath no man than this, and he laid down his life for us. I think about it, it was Christ who gave his life, who shed his blood, that we might win the war over sin, just like our nation. Someone presented you, if you served in the armed forces, someone presented you with this message, hey, we need you to go. We need you to be there. I need you. Boy, you remember the old Uncle Sam poster? Uncle Sam got that big finger, you know, wants you. Why? Because we, we, need, we need to fight for freedom. So many signed up to go. So it was Christ who said, really, I want you. I want you to have a home in heaven with me. I want, there's something better for you than that sin on this world. And this world has to offer the devil. I want you. So he did what he only could do. He laid down his life. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And that's speaking of Christ's death on the cross. The eternal battle that he fought and won. His own blood purchased our soul salvation. To me, it's unconceivable for an American. Can you believe if you, your ears was to hear an American say this? I don't appreciate what you did for our country. They walked up to a man and woman in uniform, looked at him and said, I don't appreciate what you did for our country. We'd be ready to slap them, wouldn't we? It's the opposite. We walk up to them and, and salute them and thank them for what they did for our country. But when you think about it, there are people who do Christ like that. I don't appreciate you dying for me. That, that's what they're saying when they don't accept him. What you did for me. I don't believe you, Christ. I don't, I don't, I reject you for what you did for me. How can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So I want you to understand today in this lesson this morning. Thank God for men and women who serve that we have liberty. We have freedom. But thank God for Christ. Most of all, who laid down his life. That we can have a home in heaven and life eternal. So instead of taking that for granted, just like 
we're taking time today to recognize our country and what men and women have done. Let's not let a day go by we don't take time to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for me. The price of freedom, it costs something, always will. But thank God we have it today. Amen. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.